Welcome to a tournament in a tea break from Brickwatch Sports. I'm Ros Sattar and I'm joined by Anna Smith, Fed Cup doubles player for our good old Team GB. Uh, and it's a coming together of the Love Sport Tennis Show. We're doing this in collaboration with Love Sport Radio and we're here to look at the road to the US Open. I'm excited to be here, talk all things tennis. Talk all things tennis. Uh, we are gearing up for the final slam of the year. Um, and it's been, it's been a strange year, I think, <laughs> to, to, to be fair. We've, we've had uh, a few ups and downs, probably more so on the women's side than the men's. So should we kick off with, uh, with the ladies? Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's probably been one of the most unpredictable seasons we've had for a long time. What? getting even more unpredictable can we say than um than it has been in previous years but it's uh yeah it's it's been incredible really i mean we've gone from like at the beginning of the year naomi osaka backed up her somewhat chaotic us open win and she's going to come around and be a first time uh slam defendee uh for her um i was glad that she backed it up and then she got to Europe and it all seemed to just go pear-shaped for her. Yeah, you kind of think it looked a little bit like she was. we were going to have that dominating force in women's tennis again. And and then all of a sudden, like you said, she uh, she came to Europe and, and had her usual kind of meltdown. That And it's it, you're kind of just thinking, well, you know, at some point she's going to have to try and change this funk that she's had in, in Europe and do something a little bit different. But again, she she kind of had that slump and, and just struggled a bit. And, and she spoke about, I think she came out on Twitter the other day and mentioned something about kind of not falling out of love with tennis, but really struggling and not enjoying it the last few months. Oh, well, I mean, that was evident at Roland Garros. I mean, even as far back as, as Stuttgart, she... You know, we were talking about Stuttgart, and she'd never had a good run in Stuttgart. And it's it's difficult clay. It's very uh, slick. You're slippery. It's it's like um, it's it's not nice at all. We played. Um, they they had us testing out Babylon rackets, and it was like being Torval and Dean, but with a tennis racket in your hand. I've never slid around so much. Um, and she's always you know she's she's always had in the back of her mind that she's always been injured after Stuttgart yeah. and it's the same with grass as well she had it in her mind that she's not good in grass and I really do think that mentally that whole European um, swing for her was a complete funk she hated every minute that she was in you know I think at one stage I joked uh, maybe in Birmingham and said oh, you know, on behalf of um, my continent I, I, you know, I apologise um, but hopefully I mean she looks much more relaxed I don't know whether you saw the Twitter thing that um, Katie Smallman put together of how, how to do media stuff and she looked a lot happier than we've seen her of late do you think that now she's back on hard courts she's going to feel a little bit more steady yeah well she kind of has to she couldn't feel much worse I guess <laughs> since she has felt the past couple of months you know it's a big thing for a tennis player to come out and say do you know what actually I haven't been enjoying the game at all you don't want to give your opponents any weakness and she's kind of given them a big thing right there so for her to come out and say that you know she must have been in a pretty bad place so you know kind of coming home and and having those home comforts and back on the hard courts where she's obviously had some success you know you'd like to think that she'd be able to turn this around but you know the proof's in the pudding and We'll, mm. we'll see how it goes, but I feel like she's probably in a much better place, and I think she must have come through that for her to willingly yeah. put that out there in the public. So I think she must have sort of turned a corner and be back to enjoying playing tennis again. I mean, this is going to be a big thing for her, having to defend her title, and with everything that happened last year, 
you know, I was I was thrilled that she backed it up in in Australia because she won it on her own merits. And even then, in that final, she still had a bit of a wobble. Um, you know, Kvitova had come back, and she had to. You know, she was she was upset on court. She took herself off for a toilet break to compose herself, and then came back. And and the rest is history. So, do you think? She's still got like mountains to climb to to deal with not having her heart on a sleeve all the time. Yeah, I think she's always going to be one of those players who is very emotional. I don't think she's going to be able to hide it. I think it's just going to be a case of learning to deal with it a little bit better, and then you know just kind of working on things that can kind of calm her down. Because like you said, she's so she doesn't hide anything. It's written all over her face, and that's what is hard as a tennis player. Obviously, you kind of want to have that poker face and show no emotion but she's completely the opposite <laughs> and you see everything that's written in her face um so it's gonna have to be a tactic but then is that what makes her her and if you take that away yeah. then you know is that taking away something that's maybe a strength but also a potential weakness as well so it, it's hard you know you don't want to turn her into a robot because i think that takes away who she is as a person yeah. so it, it's trying to find that right balance and you know I think she's had so much so quickly in terms of you know she came almost came out of nowhere to win that US Open especially with in the controversial circumstances that it was and then to back it up Australia was an incredible effort and be well done well at the same time and then you're just thinking like you've had so much happen to you there was always going to be a come down yeah so I think she's done pretty well considering yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, I think I remember because obviously she won Indian Wells earlier that year and she was so deliciously quirky, her and Kazakina in, in press. And I, I just remember thinking at the time, I really don't want that to be knocked out of you. And yet I think in in Roland Garros and, and Wimbledon, you just saw signs of her like, I, I just can't deal with any of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed that it's it's a it's a good uh, it's a good run for her, although. Um, this uh, the Rogers Cup is where we see a lot of the elite players coming back to the tour after a long Wimbledon break, and already we've seen a few big names go by the wayside. Angelique Kerber split with her coach, and really just looked rusty as all get out. So she's gone. Um, Barty and Kenin, that was a good match, and Kenin's a little firecracker. Um, she's so feisty. She's got so much belief in herself. Um, you know. Uh, it was a, it was a great match, a well won match, but that's the world number one gone in her first in her first match. I don't feel quite as worried for Barty though because she seems to be able to handle everything and and you know with typical Aussie grit. So she's like, yeah, the sun's going to come up tomorrow. I just lost the tennis match. That's it. So, but do you think that she's going to be a real challenger for the U.S. Open? Yeah, most definitely. I don't think you um you can count out Ash because. Like you said, she's just so cool, calm and collected. I, you know, nothing seems to face her. She's like, world number one. Oh, my world number one. It's, you know, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> right, that would be right. Yeah. But then she's also so modest as well. You know, she always talks about we. She's never like I. She's always like we and my team. We did this. We did that. So there's no way she'd ever get carried away or, you know, become complacent or arrogant and things like that. And I think that's probably going to be the basis for her longevity, I reckon. You know, even if she kind of isn't number one per se she can be top five I think she's going to be there for a long time to come she's got so many weapons and just got such a wise head on her shoulders yeah for somebody I mean the the fact that she stepped away from the sport um when she did uh 
you know, we were talking about Osaka being brave enough to put that on on Twitter that she'd fallen out of love with the game to actually walk away from the game um, at a comparatively young age and then come back. Um, you know, we were lucky enough to talk to her coach, Craig Tizer, at, um, at Eastbourne. And he said, when she told me she was going to come back, I laid it, you know, I made it as hard as possible for her and said, you know, you're going to have to do a long training block. And I mean long to get you back into fitness. And it wasn't like she hadn't done anything. She'd been doing big bash cricket, but I mean, it just shows she turns her hand to cricket and becomes a world beater. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd like to I'd like to see her make a real show of this. Um, I don't think our former uh, former world champion Kerber is going to do much until she gets herself a coach and gets a yeah her form and confidence seem to be shot to pieces. Another person that is trying to make a comeback but just can't string it together is Sharapova. Um, she lost against Annette Contevate, who's also had a bit of an up-and-down season. She had that fantastic final in Stuttgart and then kind of fell off a cliff. So on the hard court, she looks like she's coming back into some form. But do we think that we're at the end of... Is this the end game for Sharapova? Yeah. Well, you, you kind of wonder why she's doing it. What is she gaining out of it? She's like, you know... I, I want to keep working hard and and then she was saying she could take some encouragement from that defeat but what encouragement can you take when you've been a five-time slam champion and you've won every single slam you know why why keep playing when you're losing first round week in week out and and you're kind of constantly battling injuries mm. and I think she's around 32 now you know what what else does she have to achieve in this game you know she's she's been world number one grand slam champion and and you think why put yourself through this it's it's not like the comeback has been a great success, is it? It's, no. It's been a bit of a, not a shambles, to be fair. And you, you do sort of wonder what what she is gaining out of it and, and why she's doing it still. I mean, the only thing that I can think of is that she's doing it so that she leaves on her terms. Um, but I don't think you're ever going to leave on your terms because forever you will be known for for what happened. That You'll never shake it off. You can be a five five-time slam champion, but you will always have that. On, on the stigma, the yeah. stigma. Um, you know, and it doesn't matter that you served your ban. It doesn't matter of any kind of exoneration that you feel that you can put forward. Um, you know, it's 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 a tricky one. I don't, and I I can only assume she's doing it so that she's leaving on her own terms and and feels that she's the one that's pulling the the trigger on her career and and not being forced out. But like you say, the comeback's been. Well, it's not really been a comeback at no, all. She, she won, I think she won the title in Tianjin. Yeah. And that was about as good as it's got so far. And, and yeah. you know, she has shown in patches that she can string it together when she stays fit. But the problem is staying fit. You know, at Wimbledon, when she pulled out Five Love Down, I don't think that looked great on her, to be honest. You no. know, that I think that was pretty poor from her. She could have played one more game. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I really don't think she's doing herself any favours. And, she goes into press and gives these very, you know, computer generated answers, and you know, there's just no emotion there. And she's like, "I'm just going to keep working hard." And you kind of, it's a usual spiel you hear from her, and you're just like, "Well, I don't, I don't understand it anymore. You're not getting any younger. So what, what is the point?" Yeah, that's true. She obviously has her own motivations for it, and and she would never share that with, <laughs> with any of the press. That's for sure. No, that, quite. Um, uh, talking of uh, computer generated um, responses, uh, it was a very rusty start for Joe as well, uh, and it's her first uh, appearance after that now infamous um, sort of 
taking down of uh, of a journalist at, at Wimbledon after she lost. In the quarterfinal, it has to be said, after the season that she had and the fall from grace that she had, um, you know, her bounce back this year has been little short of phenomenal. You and I, the first time we actually met on the Love Sport Tennis Show, we were saying, you know, what's gone wrong with Joe? Nothing's gone wrong with Joe. She reached the semi-final of a Grand Slam, having been in, a, in shocking form the year before. And on a surface that she'd never won a first round match in. Actually, that was pretty good. And she reached the quarterfinal, having been bounced out in the second round last year. I don't feel as worried because she was up against Yastremska, who just hits the fences, goes for all of her shots, really doesn't care. She's a clean hitter from the back of the court. Um, and she was always going to be a tough draw for Joe. That was my feeling. Um, and as soon as Joe started confidently, I thought, okay. And then Yastrem sort of broke back, and I thought, now, now this is where we're going. It was two fairly competitive sets as well. I don't think Joe did much wrong. I just think she looked rusty. Um, so I don't feel quite so worried about Joe. I'll be more worried if she doesn't get some headway in Cincy. With Joe, I think it's <laughs> it's so hard because she can turn up and and suddenly play lights out tennis, but then she can have these kind of rusty results. But I think you know she's she's one of those players that we've said before has that inner belief, and she knows that when she brings her A game, she can beat anyone. And the thing is, it's kind of synonymous with women's tennis. You have so many ebbs and flows and ups and downs, and and I think she's one of those players that will have those but she'll never um have no confidence in herself and I don't think she'll be too phased by this this loss you know there's still a, a few more weeks ago before the US Open and you know she's going to want to be peaking for the US Open so if the next sort of one or two don't go well then I don't think she's going to be panicked no I don't I, I don't think so. and I think she's actually down for this new um Bronx one as well uh and I suppose it get I guess it will be how she goes in these two big Premier mandatories, whether or not she'll play the the Bronx one, but she know she doesn't really seem to worry too much about overplaying, um, and her game of course works beautifully on on hard courts. It's good and aggressive, and the hard courts uh, are, you know are made for 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 that kind of game. I'm not too worried about her, and I also think that um, you know having spoken to or having had Dmitry Zavilov come and talk to us at Roland Garros. I mean, I was inspired by this guy, much less her. You know, he was he was amazing. He's so quiet and articulate and very well thought out in what he says. I can see why she's actually progressed so well over this past year with him. So I'm hoping that we're, you know, that this is just a first match back after, after you know, several weeks off. Um, and, yeah, fingers crossed that she'll, she'll come out. Is there anybody else we want to pick on on the women or should we show the men a little bit of concern as well? I think we should show the men a little bit of love. <laughs> Who should we start with? Well, I mean, obviously, much for the men, a lot of the elite men are coming back for the first time uh, in a long break. Um, so for those that don't necessarily know, after Wimbledon, there's this strange patch of clay court matches that nobody, or clay court tournaments, that nobody really pays Unless much attention to. Unless you're Dominic team. You know, well, he couldn't play in the Polar Bear Classic in Alaska. So I think he just opted for, like, clay. I think um, so. The home title in Kitzbühel. <laughs> well, I saw, uh, I saw him win that, and, and you can see how much it meant to him. But it does seem a bit strange to throw in a rogue clay court tournament after Wimbledon, but... I mean, lot and well, Zverev as well went to Hamburg. I think made the semi final. But I mean, it always, you know, people always say to me, 
Well, people who don't who don't know that like tennis is actually all year round and just wonder what I do for the other fifty weeks of the year as a journalist. And isn't just Wimbledon you mean? Yeah, exactly. Oh, Apparently, I didn't, I didn't. who knew? Surely not. <laughs> I, know. I didn't know that. It's the most. It's the most commonly asked. If I tell anybody that I'm a sports journalist, the most commonly asked thing. What, it's the what most do you do? Commonly asked question. They're like, oh, so what do you do after Wimbledon? <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? What do I do after Wimbledon? <laughs> I sleep for two weeks and yeah. then it starts all over again. Yeah, I play for. <laughs> I play for two weeks and then fifty weeks. Off. I know, but um, but but Zverev was another one that went for the clay, and I suppose the argument is there are points to be had, and because a lot of the elite players don't play, you can just pick up free ranking points. Um, but then the likes of Team and Zverev don't particularly need free ranking points. You know, if you were Thomas Fabiano, yes, I could imagine that you'd want to do that, or Marco Cecchinato, yes, you'd want to pick up points. But you know, Team worries me all the time because he overplays and I don't have as many expectations with him on, on the hard courts as I do with maybe Zverev, but he's had a particularly torrid time. I do feel sorry for our friendly neighbourhood giraffe at the moment because uh, he, when he signed up with Lendl and then won the World Tour Finals, I thought this was the turning point for him. And then it all went pear-shaped, he split with his manager and it's a particularly nasty public spat um, and it definitely had an impact on him um, in Roland Garros and also for, for Wimbledon, which are two slams that you'd expect him to do quite well. Lendl has resigned while all this is going on, because and, and that's got to be the final kick in the teeth for him, surely. You just I don't really get what's going on with him a little bit. You know, you would have thought this would be a massive thing for him to, to sort out, that he, you know, he's mentioned in press a few times about trying to sort out his management situation and things like that, but it's... It's something that he shouldn't be dealing with. You know, you would have thought he's got enough people around him to, to be able to help him out with this, but it just seems that he's kind of taken everything on his shoulders and, and kind of wants to, to do it all himself. And obviously his tennis has taken a hit because, I mean, I don't really know what he's been doing. I can't I can't really think of anything. Well, getting his racket strung. Yeah. And booking courts. Pretty I much. mean, isn't this... I mean, I'm not being funny, you know. I know that he has an unwavering... Um, belief in his father as his coach um you know and calls him the best coach he's ever had but i'm not being funny but couldn't papa zverev do some of this stuff for him it doesn't have to be him surely well yeah that's what i'm sort of wondering up you know he's he has got enough people around him to help him out and he should be focusing on the tennis because ultimately he's he's the player and and kind of those kind of things should be sorted out by someone else and for it to have dragged on this long it's not it doesn't look great and, and I just I'm I'm a little bit confused as to why it's taken so long to sort it out. No, I I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see because he still he and team I think are still very much in the forefront as the as the chasing pack that are the most likely to win a slam and break this domination of the big three. Um, but you know, right now where we sit. For me, team is the one that's probably going to get that breakthrough at Roland Garros at some stage. And Zverev, you know, it's a miracle if he makes it to the second week. When he, makes it to the, <laughs> when he makes it to the second week, everybody's like, you know, that's like kind of your shock result. Yeah. Um, so, well, it remains to be seen. But let's have a look at some of the Brits. I mean, we've just been watching Dan Evans, who um, put up quite a spirited fight against Rafael Nadal. Uh, and... Took, he broke him in the first game and then, I think, was serving for the set. Six, he was 6-4 in the tiebreak, had two <laughs> set points, and then that's six, five point, he just chiselled a second serve forehand back, and I was like, nope, game over. <laughs> Rafa just dispatched a forehand, and, you know, against those top guys, you can't afford to chisel a, a forehand return in the court and, and hope they're going to miss. And 
What's he going to learn from something like this? Huge amounts of confidence gained. I would have thought, you know, being able to push Rafa so close. You know, he's he's proven in this comeback um, that he has got the talent and he has got the potential to give anyone a match. You know, even when he played Roger, he he got really close. It was just a few a few points here and there, but you know it he has the game to to worry the top players it's just a case of obviously doing it week in week out and we do forget that he's still kind of coming back and and what he has achieved so far is is pretty remarkable going from scratch to i'm not sure what his ranking is now but it's it's phenomenal so somewhere around the 50s i think 52 maybe that's incredible from when you think about where he's come from last year to what he is now i don't know if even him in his wildest dreams would ever imagine that then what about uh, Carl Edmund then? Uh, he is in desperate need of some form. He's had a bit of a disaster of the year. He had he had that good run at the Indian Wells Challenger, and then it all seemed to go a bit pear shaped for him. He's just had a few niggly injuries, hasn't he? He's just not quite been able to get any form going, any consistency. Just kind of you know he play a good match here and there, and then it just seems like the another niggle comes out and, and, you know, then it has to take a couple of weeks off and, and rehab that. And it's just he hasn't quite got the momentum and, you know, obviously he had a, a good win first round here. But, again, it's just trying to get that momentum, get matches. And, you know, I think he's one of those players that's very dependent on match confidence. You know, when he's struggling, he's not going for that forehand as much. The serve doesn't look quite as good. And, you know, maybe this week he can be here for a big run. <laughs> Of course, there's one more, you know, at the risk of, at the risk of sounding very bad about, um, you know, brushing Cameron Norrie under the carpet, who's also actually been playing some good tennis, uh, and it's good to see him back on the hard courts. So I think he's going to be a little bit more comfortable. Uh, we have this uh, this young chap called Andy Murray that seems to be uh, making a few waves. Apparently, he's quite good at tennis. Yeah, he's not. He's not too shabby, is he? <laughs> <laughs> the name sort of rings a bell. Yeah, I, I think he's. Sure I think he's won a few tournaments somewhere. Something called the U.S. Open and some kind of Olympic thing. Maybe a Wimbledon thrown in. A couple of those, I think. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Andy's comeback has been nothing short of miraculous. I would say. Are we surprised though? No, because the the just the sheer force of will in the man is is you know is remarkable, and I think if anybody is going to make um, a success of that particular hip operation and be the first person to come back and do it in singles, it's <laughs> it's Andy Murray. Yeah, you said it. He he's sort of a freak of nature, and and the sheer determination that he has, but. It was the same thing. He didn't want to retire on the fact that he was injured. He wanted it to be on his own terms. And obviously he wanted the surgery for his quality of life. But I don't think anyone could have predicted what was going to happen. You know, the, the fairy tale in Queens when Feliciano <laughs> go out and just play lights out tennis and, and you know, win the tournament. And obviously Feliciano winning the singles. But it was it was just incredible. And, and to see that many people watching doubles as well was massive yeah. for the game. And it was... It's been nice to have some interest and, and publicity on the doubles, even, you know, once he goes back to singles, it'll probably die down again. But it, it's been good to have that. And, you know, I'm excited for a singles comeback. And Do I you think, think he will come back in Cincy? Um, I, I don't know. I saw I saw an interview with him the other day and, and he said there's no rush. You know, he said he was feeling very close and things are progressing in the right direction. And he mentions about playing in front of crowds in, in practice. And that was something that he wasn't used to. 
and is just kind of getting used to those almost those nerves again, which he obviously hasn't felt for a little while. So I think that's something, and he start, he said that he started feeling more comfortable. So it wouldn't surprise me if he potentially plays a single sonnet very soon. I mean, I was I was kicking myself. The one year I decide not to do Cincy, which is a great tournament. It's like Eastbourne, but with Americans. It's it's a it's a very sort of low-key footprint and players walk around and you know people aren't obnoxious like maybe you know at any wells they're very kind of up there in your grill whereas it's like east one they're like what's up how are you doing um, it is it's a, it's a, it's amazing players can just walk around um and it's a great run tournament and i th- i can understand why he wants to do it because um there's not that many people that will do, you know that not that many press that go to cincy certainly british press although that there might be more if he goes now um but it's a it's a good tournament it's a tournament i think he's done well at and you know like compared to indian wells which seems to be a real bugbear for him uh and also we're talking about best of 3 versus best of 5 tennis and it's a good he'll be testing himself up against some of the best although let's be honest if he does play singles for the first time I would imagine maybe one or two rounds and then because you're coming as I mean no nobody in the right mind would knock him a wild card no definitely not he I think he'll have pretty much a pick of tournaments when he comes back and in terms of tournament directors wanting to give him wild cards that's for sure that you can guarantee it's going to be a sellout so yeah it's just a case of I think he's a smart guy and he's he knows he's had it in the back of his head that he might have to retire so he's not going to want to rush it and he's only going to come back when he's good and ready but for him to be talking in the sense that you know he feels very close I think it's very encouraging and it 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 would be a shock if he didn't play a singles tournament in this American swing yeah I think um do you do you do you think that the team around him are strong enough to stop him from to, like to save him from himself because obviously the adrenaline is flowing and you know he's he's very close to a singles comeback but uh, you, you wonder at the back of the mind he's thinking shall I enter the US Open do you think the team around him is strong enough to say be sensible do you think he's strong enough to to stop himself from jumping into a slam too soon because watching that Amer- that um, Australian Open match was something surreal because he'd made the announcement before I flew and I woke up to like my Twitter line had gone crazy and I I woke up at three in the morning and that was, you know, heading off for a flight. And and then the match itself, I was sat next to a colleague and we were like, there's no shame in, in going out in three sets to Roberto Batista Agu, you know, 6-4, 6-4, 6-4. And then, of course, you know, he, he won the third set and we were like, oh, well, there's no shame in going out in four sets. And then, of course, he won that and we were like, he's going to make it to the semi-final, isn't he? Um but you wonder whether he needs to be saved from himself sometimes. I, th- I think probably before he would have struggled to say no and that desire to come back. But I think he's a little bit smarter. And I think that whole Australian Open experience where he kind of kind of half retired yet half didn't has, has been a massive thing. And I think now he has maybe a little bit of a different perspective. And he said something about trying to prolong his career so I don't think he's in the same mind frame where he just wants to get out on court as soon as possible. If he's not ready, I think him and his team will decide that the US Open is a no-go and then they'll wait. Um, so I, I'd be shocked if if he did come back and he wasn't ready. I know I, I think I'd probably say 99% sure that he'd come back when he is fully ready. So finishing off this 
this path for uh, our road to run to Roland Garros, our road to <laughs> US Open. Um, who do we think is going to come out of the winner of these tournaments? Because they're fairly big tournaments. Uh, and really, is it going to set down any kind of marker for the US Open? <laughs> On the women's side, again, just pick it out of the hat, to be honest. Um, as we've seen, you know, Ash Barty has, has gone out your first round against Kenin, but you know, is that is that a shock again? Kenin's one of the upcoming players on the tour. So for me it'll actually be interesting to see how Serena does this American swing, especially with her playing a few tournaments before a slam, which doesn't seem to happen too often these days. You know, she can get a bit of a run going, maybe even win one of these tournaments. I think we said we mentioned on um on the show a couple of weeks ago that, you know, she was struggling with the whole getting across the line because she hasn't put herself in that scenario for a while and then all of a sudden it always seems to come at a grand slam where there's so much on the line so it'll be interesting you know if she if she were to win one of these big ones it you know it, it would put her in the in the running again and it'll be interesting to see Osaka as well how she can bounce back and now that she's regained her love for the sport as she says and if she can find some form yeah, I mean, Serena's actually playing later on this evening or, you know, in the, in the small hours of the morning. A tough uh, one again. Uh, Mertens isn't an easy no, draw at all. Not at all. So it's a good test for her, or a bad test for her, depending on which which side of the fence you fall. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if she, come, if she comes through this. I think if if she doesn't, Cincy might be a better one for her. It's another, it's another decent tournament that I think she's had a relatively good good run of success at. Would she play it though? That's the thing. That's the thing. She seems to she be quite. Needs, she has to. Quite stubborn, though, isn't she? In um, terms of what she does before slams. But I mean, then Cincy. Don't forget, there's a week between Cincy and um and the U.S. Open. So that's the that's the week that we have, Winston Salem for the men, and now this new one at the Bronx because Joe's down for the Bronx. But you know, we'll see. We'll see what that goes. With. She she's unlikely to drop down to an international. I would have thought. No, I'd be shocked if she does. It it doesn't really seem to be her style nowadays. But no. you know, maybe it's something that she she should consider. She said something about playing at Wimbledon. She said that she might need to play a few tournaments before a slam. So maybe this is something. Obviously, she'll hope that that won't be the case, and she can do well at one of these two. But you know, nothing with Serena ever surprises us. I don't <laughs> think we expect the unexpected with her. <laughs> Uh, so there's no point in putting you on the spot for figuring out who's going to win this tournament then. No, I don't like predictions. <laughs> and you know this as well. Just... I know, I know. Well, How about you predict? Me? Then? Yeah. Well, I mean, my my, my thing with um, with like seeing people like Nadal sort of come back is that he will always blitz through um, people that he's supposed to beat. And then when he gets to sort of more hardened opposition... That's when he has a bit of a wobble, but on this draw, he doesn't really have that much opposition. You know, his draw's quite favourable, so you know it wouldn't surprise me if he win if he wins this this one. Well, he has got Fanini to play in potentially yeah. quarters. He and Fanini does get under his skin. Yeah, and I remember a, a few years ago when he had that two sets of love lead at the US Open, and all of a sudden I switched on an hour later, and Fanini's <laughs> making the biggest comeback I've ever seen. So. Um, I'd love to. I'd love to say that I could see Zverev winning, but I can't. <laughs> I think if he can get a few matches this week, yeah. I think he'll be happy with that and and start regaining a little bit of momentum. But yeah, but, yeah. you sort of have to look at Rafa, don't you? And and think he'd probably be a, a red hot favorite for this week. 
Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, and team, I wouldn't, you know, I never would uh, put him as a, a particularly good hard court. Yeah, you know, he'll be steady and he'll 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 go quite deep. His draw's not that bad, but um, but I think if he comes up against Rafa, he'll he'll just melt. On the women's <laughs> side, it's well, the draw's a little bit of a mess, really. Um, so Osaka's probably my pick, or maybe Hal. I mean, Halep's obviously the defending champion. Um, and how's she doing? I sat down. To okay, so Brady. that's so that could be that could be another Upset. shocker. Um, while we're talking shockers, actually, Sloane Stevens. What is going on with her? Again, Sloane is one of those ones that I think she she peaks for the for the like the Grand Slams. It's like she won't do anything, and all of a sudden she goes and wins the U.S. Open, and you're like, <laughs> where did that come from? <laughs> yeah. So for me, you're not with worried. Her, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if she suddenly turned it on at Flushing Meadows, where she's got such good memories. But with Sloane, I think it's one of those where you know she's going to have an incredible week one week, and then. I don't if she doesn't fancy it, <laughs> it might not go so well the next week. Okay, so I'm so you're gonna make you pick something from here, yeah, aren't you? I am. I'm going to pick Oh god, I'm gonna pick Kenin. <laughs> For the title. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm gonna hold my hands up next week. If Kenin's a champion, I'm gonna hold my hands up and say, Ross, you are too good. <laughs> <laughs> you have read my predictions, they're yeah. terrible, so I really wouldn't Do you worry know what? about it. I actually think they can't be any worse than mine. I don't think I've ever predicted one match right in my life. So. Um, I, d- I don't know, I honestly don't know. Maybe, maybe I'd, I'd probably have an outside uh, flush on either Burton's or, or Pliskova. Pliskova's looking in fairly decent form. Um, Benchich would look good in hers. There's there's some good names to come out of, out of this draw, even though it's been carnage. Uh, but let's let's see. Uh, this time next week, we will be talking about Cincinnati. So that will be the second Masters and Premier mandatory in a row. Uh, so by then, we should have a better idea of, of where people's form is. God, will we? Tennis <laughs> tourists. <laughs> it's so hard to predict. So I don't know. We will find out next week. <laughs> but anyway, thank you, Anna, for joining me uh, for, for, for this. Me. And uh, you have, of course, been listening to Ros Satar from Britwatch Sports in collaboration with Love Sport Radio for Tournament and Tea Break.